But we're in part two of a series we are calling Little Big Life, where we are talking about the seemingly small things that we do, but can, as those add up, as those small things add up, it leads us to living a big life of faith. And last week, Frosty opened up this series, and he talked about how important it is that we know the Word of God, that we read it, that we engage with it, meditate, and memorize it. Scripture is God's living Word, and we can hear God speak to us through the pages of the Bible. But God speaks in many ways. And today I want to talk about prayer, which quite simply is communication with God. Now, have you ever been out to coffee with somebody before or maybe out to dinner on a first date or maybe you've been talking to them on the phone and all of a sudden you realize that this person only talks about themselves like 95% of the time and you're trying to get a word in edgewise, but they're just going on and on all about themselves. They never really ask about you or how you're doing. They don't really actually want your advice to weigh in. They just want to talk to you about what's going on. How did that make you feel? Like when you walked away from a conversation like that, see, I bet you when they walked away from it, they probably felt amazing. They were like, that was so good. But you probably felt the opposite, right? Well, that very scenario is often how a lot of people treat God in their prayer life. See, for many people, they see prayer as this monologue moment where they say all the words they can possibly think of. They get it all off their chest. And they're like, I think that's about it. Okay, amen. And they close the door on that prayer and walk out before they even give God a chance to speak. Talking about their needs and their desires and their wants the entire time and never really asking for God to weigh in. Never really taking a moment to just shut up and listen and allow God to speak back to them and engage in the conversation too. And before God can even respond, they close the door and they walk out of that prayer moment. And I find that these are often the same people that will say, well, I never hear God speaking to me. I never hear his voice. He's never answering anything. I don't know if he's saying anything. But the question for you is, are you taking a moment to listen? Are you giving space for him to answer you? Have you allowed him to turn your little monologue into a dialogue? And have you entered into prayer with the right kind of posture that would suggest that you actually want to hear his thoughts too? Because you need to know that God is speaking to us all the time. All the time, God is speaking in many different ways, through many different avenues, but more often than not, it's us who have left the room before we've even allowed God to speak. So we're talking about prayer a little thing that can lead to a big life, and it's only fitting that we pray right now as we dive into some of this, right? Okay. God, we just thank you so much that we can gather in your house today, that we can worship you and we can praise you. We can dedicate children to you. And right now in this moment, we are leaning into a conversation with you. Lord, would you teach us about prayer? Teach us how to engage with you so that we don't do all the talking, so that we give room for you to speak to us too. So God... We are here for you. Show us what it means to pray and engage with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 16, it says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The earnest prayer, meaning a prayer that is not half-hearted, but rather a prayer that is sincere in its words and intense in its conviction. That kind of prayer, that prayer has power. 
That kind of prayer, it sees results. That kind of prayer actually engages the God of the universe, a God who wants to not just listen to you, but he also wants to speak with you and talk with you because he wants to be a part of the conversation too. And when we sincerely pray with an earnest heart and an earnest prayer, we are approaching our relationship with God with the desire to know him in a deeper way and to strengthen our love for him, to strengthen our relationship with him. So that means taking some time to listen so that we can understand his voice. In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Sheep know the voice of their shepherd only because they've spent time with that shepherd. They've spent time in that shepherd's flock, listening to his commands and trusting his ways. And we'll come to know the voice of our good shepherd, Jesus, the more time we actually spend with him. Now think of it this way. If you and I have never hung out and you call me all of a sudden one day, I'm probably gonna have to say, sorry, I don't have this number, who is this? simply because I don't recognize your voice. We've never met before, we've never talked before, you know, or if you're a young person, you'll just ignore the phone call and text back, new number, who dis, you know? If you don't spend time with a person, you're not gonna know what their voice is supposed to sound like. You're not gonna know if they're actually calling you in that moment. You know, when our son Boston, who's a year and a half old now, when he spent time in the parents' room, he would respond differently than all the other kids in that room when the TV was on. And the TV, not meaning like a little cartoon show, but what's happening here is live streamed into our parents' room right there. Parents, if you didn't know it, we got a parents' room for you right there if you need to step out for any reason. But this is live streamed into there, and Boston would react differently than all the other kids when he heard my voice or Frosty's voice come onto the microphone. Immediately, it would get his attention because it was his shepherd speaking. He recognized the voice of his mom or dad, and so he would immediately look to the TV to figure out where mom or dad was. You know, his, our voice to him can bring him peace and it can bring him comfort because it reminds him of our presence. And we're in this beautiful season right now where this is brilliant. In the middle of the night, if Boston wakes up unsettled and he sits up and he's crying and he doesn't know what's happening, I can grab the monitor by the side of my bed and I can speak into it. I can say, hey, Boston, time to lay back down. Night, night. I love you. And he'll actually lay back down. And he'll go back to sleep. It's amazing. I hope it continues for a long time. (laughs) But the clarity and the comfort of my voice is enough to bring him peace in that moment and for him to realize, oh, I'm okay. Okay, I can lay back down. I can go back to sleep now. You see, when we love somebody, we want to be in communication with them. We want to know about their day and talk to them about our day And see, Frosty and I, we're in constant communication with each other because we are in love. We're in a relationship. And Boston is now a part of that, too. Boston is a part of our family unit. And he loves to hear our voice when we walk through the door getting home from work or when he hears our voice on the phone or even through the monitor. Prayer is our way of being in constant communication with God, where we can talk with him about our lives about other people's lives, like our family and friends, people that we're praying for. We can talk with him about God's desires for this world. And the comfort and the clarity of his voice will grow and grow the more time you spend with him. The more time you hang out with him, the more you will know, okay, that's God speaking to me. I'm okay now. But if you've never truly spent time with him or opened up his word, he might actually be calling out to you, trying to speak to you and say, hey, son, it's okay. Hey, daughter, you can lay down. You can rest now. But you don't know who it is, so you're like, sorry, who is this? Who's talking to me right now? 
So we have to hang out with him and engage in earnest prayer so that we can know his voice and his will for our lives. And Jesus gave us some wonderful advice about prayer in the book of Matthew. In chapter 6, starting in verse 5 to 13, Jesus said, And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. But truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling on like the pagans, for they think they're going to be heard just because they say a lot of words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Now, you might recognize this next part. It's called the Lord's Prayer. You can say it with me if you want to. He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, when Jesus gave them this advice, it wasn't meant to be this religious script that you quote verbatim. Now, you could say it and quote it as we just did now. You're welcome to read it out loud. But really, God was giving us a framework for how to pray and how we can approach God in our conversations. You'll notice Jesus didn't say this is what you should pray. He said this is how you should pray. So let's break down this four-part framework. Now, the first part of this Lord's Prayer says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This part of the framework is praise. It is a moment when you start your conversation with God where you can focus on his holiness and on his character. You can start with praise and gratitude on your lips. Now, this is important because you'll notice that prayer we just said, it's about 10 lines, but five lines 50% of the prayer is dedicated to praising God first, recognizing his holiness, acknowledging who he is, and surrendering ourselves to his will where we take a moment to align our heart with his heart. This is huge. But too often we miss this part of the prayer and people focus on the other half of the prayer where we start to ask God for things. But God's saying, this is how you should pray. Approach the throne with praise and thanksgiving on your lips. Approach the throne, throne recognizing who God is and what he can do in your life. We should start with praising God with a grateful heart and with a smile on our face. You know, even when I email somebody, I never start that email by just jumping straight into my questions. Like obviously I'm emailing somebody, I'm probably asking a question, but I never just start with that. In fact, we teach our staff and interns here, hey, start out with a smile and acknowledge the other person, even if it's simply as, hey, I hope you've had a really good week. You know, or hey, I heard you had a job interview. I hope that went well. Acknowledging the other person in the conversation before you ever get to asking for your desires, your needs, and your wants. When we look at God as a holy God who is sovereign and who is on our side, we actually will approach him with so much more love and with the desire to know him. But not only that, when we approach God first with praise, it gives us the confidence for the rest of this prayer framework. It gives us the confidence because it is affirming with our lips what we know to be true in our heart about who God is. And when we affirm his character, we're reminded that our prayers are not going to fall on deaf ears. And that brings me to the second part of this prayer where it said, give us today our daily bread. 
This part is about provision, where we can focus on our present needs. Jesus gave us permission to ask for provision. See, God himself said, you can ask him to help care for your present needs, your daily bread. And when you do, you can know with confidence that you're not being annoying or nagging to him because he told you this is how you can pray. You can come before God and say, God, I need your help in this moment. I need you to provide for me. And God wants to provide for you in the same way that a parent desires to provide for their child. Now, hear me when I say this. God also gave us the wisdom and the tools we need to be good stewards of what we have. God created us to work. I'm sorry if that's news to you, but he did. Adam and Eve, when they were placed in the Garden of Eden, their work was caring for all of the animals and all of the plants that were there. They were meant to be good stewards of the resources that they were given. So please do not see this part of the prayer as an excuse to be lazy and not do your part, okay? And don't be like, but Darcy, you said I could say, give me my daily bread, but God also said, be good stewards with what you have. We are called to be good stewards and good workers. However, we are all going to find ourselves in situations that we did not anticipate. Situations that we simply did not prepare for. Situations where we actually need the God of the universe to step in and provide a way where there seems to be no way. There's going to be moments where all of us fall short from what we actually need. And in those moments, we need to say, God, could you help provide? Moments where we can ask God to intervene and provide a way for us to provide a way through. And God would love to show us his kindness and his generosity and his mercy in those moments in unexpected ways because he wants to give to his children. That is his heart for you. And recently, Mari, she is our third year intern here. I don't know where she is in this moment. She's somewhere in the room back there. But she oversees our ministry rooms here and the pre-loved gifting ministry, and she shared with me a testimony about God's provision. She said, there was a season where God was teaching both Fitu and I, that's her husband, separately about provision, but also leaning into the body of Christ and accepting help. And then our dryer just happened to break down during winter, and we hadn't actually told anyone. And then someone at church received a picture from God about Fitu, about needing fire and heat, but in a practical sense. And so they asked him if we need firewood, but Fiji said no, but told him about the dryer, but also said, we're fine though. And that person turned up at our house that night with a new dryer because it just so happens that his wife's parents do dryers. So it blessed us not only with a material dryer, but it was a lesson of allowing God to bless us through his body too and actually accept help. How cool is that testimony? That's amazing. See, Mari and Fitu did not expect their dryer to break in the middle of winter. And they also did not expect somebody to just turn up at their house with a new dryer. But that is the beauty and the nature of God. He wants to provide for us in unexpected ways. And oftentimes, he actually uses other people in our world to provide for us. Other people that are being obedient to the promptings of God that reach out and say, hey, God told me you might need help. Can I help in this way? So don't ignore those people that are coming to you because perhaps that is somebody God has sent to you to actually provide for a prayer request that you've been praying. See, where do you need God to show up and provide for you in your current circumstance? Maybe he is already answering that prayer, but now you just need to accept that person's help because God sent them to you. Now let's go to the third part of this prayer where it said, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is about pardon, where we can focus on the past mistakes Because we need to remember 
not just the goodness of God, but also the grace of God. Because if we ever forget that we are all sinners, saved by grace, in need of grace, in need of a Savior, then we'll start to live our lives in such a way that we no longer depend on a good and gracious God. We all need to be pardoned. If you've never heard that word, it simply means forgiven. We need to be forgiven for our past mistakes. Whether they were mistakes that we made 10 years ago or just two minutes ago, continually asking God for forgiveness, even for the little things, reminds us that we also need to forgive others who have offended us too. Now it said, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And right after the Lord's Prayer, in that same passage of Scripture, verse 14 and 15, Jesus said, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Oh. <laughs> we can't ignore this part of the prayer. He was like, I'm done with her talking now. Cue the Oscar music. Let's get her off stage. <laughs> but we can't ignore this part of the prayer. If we are coming before God with a repentant heart and we're saying, God, would you forgive me? God, I've messed up, but you're showing up with bitterness in your heart still towards your brothers and sisters and you don't want to forgive them. Jesus is very clear that we need to learn how to pardon others for their mistakes. If we also want to go before God and say, God, would you pardon me for my mistakes? Now, maybe you recently heard about the Asbury revival that took place over the last few weeks at this small Christian university in Kentucky. Now, I've read a bit about what happened because I was very curious as I saw it go viral on social media. And I heard from one pastor on a podcast, and then it also got confirmed when I read this article by a different journalist, that supposedly this whole revival started when a young man boldly came forward to ask for forgiveness. He came forward at the end of a regular chapel service, but it was after a lot of people had already left the room, so there was only a handful of people left, but he came forward in that moment asking God for forgiveness, making a confession in front of other people, and supposedly after he did that, nobody wanted to leave the room. And then prayer and worship broke out again. And then that worship didn't stop for over two weeks as 50 to 70,000 people from all over came to experience God's presence in that chapel. Where in your life do you need to let God pardon you for your past? Never underestimate the power of confession in your prayers. Because perhaps what you need is an honest and an earnest confession moment with God. And that could spark a revival in your own heart. That could be the very thing to reignite your own faith, to reignite your love for God, is to say, God, I've messed up. Could you help forgive me as I learn to forgive other people? And that leads us to the last part of this framework of prayer, where it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is about protection, where we can focus on the future. God is our king, our provider, our savior, but also our defender. And he and heaven's armies will fight for you if you ask them to. They will fight for you at times in your lives where you need God to intervene and to protect you. And especially in moments where you start to grow bolder in your faith, and as you start to take more steps in your faith and take ground for the kingdom, for God's kingdom, you need God's protection on your life. You know, there's a newest member of our team. Her name's Jules. She's just sitting back here. You'll get to meet her later. But Jules is a second-year intern 
who felt called to leave Elam and Hastings to come join us here in Papakura and help lead our under fives program. But getting to Papakura was not so easy because as y'all know, we've had some rough weather starting this year out and she was moving in the midst of all of it. And she said, after dropping the furniture truck off in Hastings, I still had to come across the Napier to Taupo Pass with my two youngest boys. We had driven through floodwater to get back to Hastings, so I knew we were up against the clock of raising floodwaters to get back to Papakura. As we entered the pass, all the cars were being pulled over by police, and Roadworks explained that due to continuing slips, only trucks were allowed to go through in case something fell. There were big rocks coming down, not just mud and trees. A couple of company cars, they were allowed to go through using their big rigs as shelter. And all of a sudden, this big truckie walked over to me and said, hi, I'll take you through if you stay on the shelf side of me and alternate as we go past higher points to stay on the most sheltered side. She said, I was a bit determined to get home, so I said, yes, I had been praying fervently for a way through. And about halfway through the pass, a slip was down in front of us, and then the road slipped behind us, and we couldn't go forward or backward. And eventually, the road got cleared, and we continued. And this truckie safely guided Jules through every obstacle they came across. And once on the other side, they both pulled over and Jules got out to thank this random driver for his kindness. She said he smiled and said, God said to take you through. And when I approached your car at the other end, I knew why. First, I was delighted he was a Christian. And second, delighted God heard my prayers and parted the waters for me. But then he laughed and said, you don't remember me, do you, Jules? And she said, well, I did recognize his face, and I thought I must have seen him around Hastings, and I told him this. And he then said, you came to Invercargill Prison 13 years ago and preached. Some of us mocked your God, and you dared us to go back to our cells and ask God to prove himself, to ask this Holy Spirit to turn up and show he was real. Well, I did that, and the Holy Spirit turned up. He gave his heart to Jesus that day in prison, and now his whole family and his marae walks with the Lord. How cool is that? That's amazing. I still get chills when I read her story out, even when I first heard it. But she said that he had waited 13 years to say thank you. He had prayed he would meet her again one day to say it. And God answered both of their prayers in the middle of a storm. And he used a storm to bring them together. How incredible is God? Doesn't that give you chills when you think about that? God is our protector and our defender. In the middle of a storm, God used a man that Jules had preached to 13 years prior to get her through the waters and safely home. Never underestimate the power of a God who fights for his children. Never forget that in the middle of your storms, God wants you to ask him to be your protector. God wants to help, and he wants to fight for you in ways that you will never expect. The band can come join me now. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, this is pure grace, that God tells us how we can speak with him and have fellowship with him. The Lord's Prayer, it is pure grace because it shows us simply how we can speak with God. So how should we pray? Praise, provision, pardon, and protection. We enter into our conversation with God with gratitude and with thanksgiving on our lips acknowledging his character because when we do that we are reminded that he is a God who wants to provide for us he is a God who wants to pardon us he is a God who wants to protect us and now you might be sitting there thinking well Darcy like this is all well and good like easy framework four P's I can remember that but there's sometimes 
moments in your life where you simply don't know what words to say. You're like, I got the framework, but I'm just out of words. I don't know what to say. Maybe because you just feel so defeated in life. Maybe because you're feeling distant from God. We all have those moments. I get that. Sometimes you don't have the words to say and you just need somebody to provide you with the words. Well, perhaps then you could ask God to fill you with the heavenly language called tongues. Speaking in tongues is this heavenly language that God gifts to you to communicate just with him. And many believers are given this gift when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And it could come immediately and burst forth from your mouth or... It could come by saying one syllable in faith over and over and then it slowly develops with time like it did for me. And I just want to wrap up my message with one final story that could hopefully inspire you to truly dig deep and look for God in unexpected yet beautiful ways as we're about to go on 21 days of prayer together as a church. Now during my first trimester of this pregnancy, a beautiful story so I want to share it with you but my mental health was not in a good place in the first trimester in fact it was one of the hardest seasons of my life as I found myself physically exhausted from pregnancy and keeping up with a toddler who was learning how to walk emotionally exhausted mentally exhausted and it led to me being spiritually exhausted and there was a day back in the first trimester where I was lying in bed and I was unable to pull myself out of it and I was just crying and I couldn't stop And I was trying to pray, but I had no words. And so I started to speak in tongues. And I found myself repeating a certain phrase over and over and over. Seven syllables I didn't understand, but seven syllables I just couldn't shake. And now speaking in tongues, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's the only gift that is meant to edify your own spirit and build you up with your relationship with God. But some people, they also receive the gift of interpretation of tongues, which is very rare. But that gift can interpret what God might be saying to someone or to a group of people, meaning God can speak back to us through tongues if interpretation is present. And now I've never done this before, ever. But in that moment while crying in bed, the Holy Spirit nudged me to type my seven syllables into Google Translate. Random, I know, I had never done it before, haven't done it since this moment, but I did. And in Arabic, I don't speak Arabic. It translated to, we called you mom. Through this heavenly prayer language, God was speaking back to me and reaffirming my identity as a mother. He said, we called you mom. And he was showing me that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were there to guide me through this mental and physical storm. God had placed a calling on my life, not just to be a pastor, but also to be a mother. And if he called me to it, he would equip me for it. And then I found myself saying a slightly different seven syllables in tongues as I thought about becoming a mom to two under two when in that moment I felt like I was failing just being as a mom of one. And in the midst of my anxiety and my feelings of loneliness and inadequacy, those next seven syllables translated in Hausa, I don't speak that language, to say, I'm here too. And I saw this beautiful image of Jesus carrying my new baby while he let me sleep. God was showing me in a moment when I felt so alone that he had never left me. 
And in the midst of that valley, he was there too. And he's going to be there when we transition to having two kids. Google Translate (laughs) helped me understand what God was trying to say to me in my lowest point last year. It was an answer received by engaging in the heavenly prayer language called tongues. Now, I'm not suggesting you do that unless God specifically prompts you to in a moment. It worked for me in that moment, hasn't since. But that was because the Holy Spirit nudged me very clearly in that moment. But it was one of the most beautiful and intimate conversations I've had with God recently. And my hope is that we can all learn more about who God is as we engage with him in conversation, as we spend time with him and simply sit in his presence because he is a God who sees you. He is a God who hears you and he is a God who wants to speak with you. And if we do that seemingly little thing called prayer, we will lead a very big life of faith. Amen. Let me pray for you. I've talked too long. I'm sorry. God, I thank you so much that you don't just hear us, but you speak to us constantly. And so God, I pray that over the next three weeks, as we engage in 21 days of prayer, I pray that every single individual here would grow in their relationship with you. I pray that there would be a revival in their heart as they come before you to confess. I pray that they would have the boldness and the confidence to ask you to provide and protect. But more than anything, I pray that everybody here learns how to praise you in the midst of any season they're walking through. God, would you bless everyone here in Jesus' name. Amen.